Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rumors, Money, and Movies. As always, I'm your host, James Bastone. Thank you for joining me today as we talk about Avatar. Let's go. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at rmm underscore 901. You can also follow us on Letterboxd at J-A-B-N-Y-R-I-C. I'm doing a lot of work for that recently, so go check that out. Also, if you haven't already, make sure to rate, review the podcast, wherever you may be listening, whether it be Apple, Spotify, both, neither, it doesn't matter. Liking the podcast, reviewing the podcast always helps with algorithms and always helps let the podcast be noticed, which is, again, honestly, at this point, really what I'm trying to do is grow the podcast to a wider audience. Right now, it's mostly friends and family, but I want random people in Iowa to be listening to Rumors, Money, Movies. At least that's the hope eventually, eventually. Also, quick update on the podcast going forward. Don't forget, we're going to have a three-year anniversary episode next month. I'm also going to do, I just realized, Golden Globes are back and going to be a thing again. So I'm going to cover the Golden Globes January 9th. Going to have a podcast right after and talk about the show itself. And then also into the new year, have a couple episodes. Glenn again, Bruce Nash will come back on. A couple couple more interviews that I'm working on that are actually going to happen. That will definitely occur. I promise. But today, again, like I just said, we're talking about Avatar. So first, just an update on the box office for everyone. Since we last talked, the last eight weeks, a film with the name Black in its title has won the box office. Again, Black Adam, three straight weeks, and then Wakanda were forever for five straight weeks. The week before Avatar was the second lowest grossing for film of the year at $37 million. Black Panther only made $11 million. That's one of the lowest totals for a number one winning film. So not good at the box office, but Avatar The Way of the Water is here to change that. And we're going to talk a little bit about The Way of the Water. And their box office predictions predicted this film to make over $150 million box office domestically, around $450 million internationally. It needs to make supposedly $2 billion by James Cameron to break even. The film did do actually very well, but all be below expectations. $134 million domestically, $307 million internationally for $441 million coom opening weekend. By the time you're listening to this podcast, it will be over $500 million. Now, if you're wondering, thinking, it needs to make $2 billion. Is that because the original Avatar was so popular? Actually, no. The reason why is because they already fully shot three and shot or at least are filming parts of four, I've read. So it needs to make a, a lot of money because... That investment into three and four have already begun. But like I said, we're going to be talking about both Avatar movies. So how about the first Avatar movie, speaking of box office? The box office king of all time. Doesn't matter who you are. Unless you're Gone with the Wind. Which Gone with the Wind will come up relevant later in this podcast. I guarantee it. Oh, but with $77 million domestically. 13 years ago. To the date, almost. December 18th, 2009. What were you doing back in 2009? Barack Obama was president. Hey, what were you doing? What were you doing back in 2009? What were you doing? What were you doing? I know you were doing something. I was like seven years, eight years old. I was watching playing Mario Kart on the DS. I don't know what. I don't know what I was doing, bro. I don't know what I was doing. So made $77 million opening weekend. Then it said, you know what? Our second weekend, we're only going to go down 2% and make $75 million on Christmas. 
Its third weekend, it went down 9% for $68 million in its third weekend, which is a record. $50 million in its fourth weekend, record. $42 million in its fifth weekend, record. $34 million in its sixth weekend, record. And in its seventh weekend, it wasn't quite a record, but it still finished number one at the box office. Wow. In its initial run, it finished with $749 million domestically, $1.99 internationally for a 2.749 cum total. Now it's brought that number up to over $2.9 billion. So you might be thinking, well, it made 77 That's almost 10 times multiplier from its opening weekend to its end of release. That's insane. The large increases in the re-releases is because of Chinese business and also because Disney wanted it to beat the Avengers Endgame to become the number one movie overall. Because if you may not be aware, Avatar was released by 20th Century Fox. 20th Century Fox Studios was bought by Disney. And so now Disney wants Avatar to be the number one movie in the world. The film was directed by James Cameron, was in development since 1994 when James Cameron wrote the script. It stars Stan Worthington as Jake Sully, Stephen Lang as Colonel Miles Quarch, Sigourney Weaver as Dr. Grace Augustine, Michelle Rodriguez as Trudy Chason, Giovanni Ribisi as Parker Selfridge, Zoe Zalandana, Natiri, the blue person, CCH Partner, Moat, her mother, West Study, Ayut Khan, her father, Laz Alonso, her ex-boyfriend. It has an 82% tomato meter, an 82% audience score, balanced as all things should be. Traditional sensories, it might be more impressive on a technical level than as a piece of storytelling, but Avatar reaffirms James Cameron's singular gift for imaginative, absorbing filmmaking. Not only this, not only all the records, was highly successful from a critical standpoint, but also from an awards standpoint. It was nominated for nine Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, and won three. Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, and Best Visual Editing. And again, its main impact on cinema was 3D. The motion capture was extensive, but then was really released 3D. And the 3D helped explode again to over $2.7 billion in its initial release. And again, it's only second to Gone with the Wind. The reason I bring that up is... Because my initial thoughts on this film is racist AF. Why do I say that? So initial Avatar, again, was a cultural phenomenon for about nine weeks, and then no one cared about it ever again. And look, the Avatar today, if you haven't seen it, today the CGI still holds up. Today, if you told me Avatar, the original Avatar, if I knew nothing, if I was just born on this planet, you told me that movie was released this year, I, I would, like, hands down believe you. Looks phenomenal to this day. The score is fantastic. Everything sort of production value, like costume and anything, anything production value, phenomenal. One of the best you'll ever see. Problem is the story. Again, the basic story is that Pandora has a lot of resources and the naive people. Um, by the way, the tribe names, there's one name naive, there's one name Matikani. Matiani, I'm just gonna say random names. I don't give so if I just if you hear me say Avatari people and Tachari people and Navi Vivi people, just know I'm talking about blue people. Okay, I, I don't care. And that's part of my problem is the world building. But the story 
is humans are drilling for this very expensive and valuable resource on Pandora. And basically, there's a lot of it underneath this tree that all the naive people live on. And all the avatars want to go, all the you know people want to kick out the avatars and go get the resource. Jake Sully, who's Sam Worthington's character, is part of the avatar program, the Pandora program. He dresses up as a blue guy on, on Mondays through Fridays. And he has no legs. He becomes part of the blue people, falls in love with Nate Thierry for some reason. They get started looking at each other. I don't know. And then he becomes a white savior and they beat the bad guys. If you haven't seen the movie yet, I just spoiled it. I'm sorry. You should have seen it. It's 13 years old. And that's my problem with the movie. It's by the numbers. There's nothing on the table. There's nothing there that you haven't seen. before. And there's so much potential. Think about all of the moral arguments you can get out of this film. For example, Jig Sully is becoming like a blue person. Also, Sigourney Weaver's character, Grace Augustine, is becoming a blue person. You'd think people would be like, that's morally wrong. I don't know if you guys heard of blackface. But, you know, like it's a weird thing to be doing. It's also weird to think no one is like, bro, maybe we shouldn't be killing Native people and, you know, what are the, the Anavi people for this resource. There's like no moral conundrum. There's nothing like the morality of the expedition, the morality of what they're doing. I mean, as the audience, we obviously know and the implication is that it's bad. Of course, I got that part. But can we have a little conflict surrounding whether or not it's bad? Also, the humans are just bad. There's no sympathy for the human characters whatsoever in the first film. Lang's character, who's the colonel, is like, yeah, bro, I just want to kill me some indigenous blue people. Why? What did they ever do to you? He's like, let's kill them. Let's go. I'm not done till I'm on the ground, brother. I'm going to kill them. Why? Did they kill your family? Like, do they present a threat to you? Now, if you said, yo, this is the last this is the last human colony. Now there's something there. Another problem with the film is that the morality of the film, this is all whatever, spoilers alert. The morality of the film, right? So it's wrong for a human to kill a naive person, whatever they call themselves. I don't know, but to kill a naive person, right? Nav Navi? Navi? <laughs> Gavi, yo, I don't know. Take it with me, guys. It's a joke. Navi people, right? I think it's like Gavi. So the Navi people, they're getting killed by humans. Terrible. Like, we're supposed to really feel when a Navi person dies. But when these heads are just mowing down humans, are all the humans bad? Is, like, every single human part of this expedition bad? They're all just the same character. There's no faces. Like the Navi people, we get faces for everybody and we feel their humanity. But for the humans, it's just like, if they die, it doesn't matter. The statement you're trying to make rings hollow because you're saying respect the other and all this stuff. But then you're just like, oh, let's just kill all the humans. You're supposed to want them to die because they're bad. That's my problem on one level. Now let's get to the other levels before I get to the bigger level. The romance. Why? Why is Nitiri... I mean, they make a joke about it. But basically, Jake Sully isn't fully invested in the Navi people. He's starting to do the reverse Michael Jackson. You know, he's starting to become blue. Look, if I get canceled, I get canceled. It doesn't happen yet. The minute 
he gets some blue tail, bro. The minute he gets a piece of that Terry, this man's like, I've been blue for my whole life. Let me talk to him. I want to become part of the Navi. I kid you not. If you rewatch the movie, he doesn't hate the Navi. He's starting to turn, but he's definitely not on the level of, I want to be Navi. I want to be Navi. The minute they meet, I'm not Navi for life, bro. Hook him, baby. So <laughs> that's the first problem. The second problem is why? They don't have like one real conversation in the film. Like all they do is like these weird tasks. You gotta hunt this guy, you gotta you gotta ride this dinosaur. Again, I don't care because they never they say the name once. They're like, I'm supposed to remember the names here. The the, the pterodactyl guys. He flies the pterodactyl a couple times. You know what I mean? They go to like the leaf garden or whatever, the, the garden of souls. And then they're like, I love you and I love you. I mean, I get it. There, there is I was an attractive guy and it's attractive woman or whatever they call them. The attractive male, the attractive female. I've been hanging out for a month. Birds and the bees. Get behind a tree. I get all that. But let's have a little bit of dialogue about why this person should fall in love with somebody else. The best romantic comedies, and frankly, to me, the only good ones are when I can buy into... Why does a girl like the guy? Oh, he's attractive. He's also really nice, confident, respectful, hardworking, ambitious. Like, all these different things. You know? Let's do that. Why is Natiri out here involved with Jake Sully? I have no idea. And on that point, before I get to the big enchilada here, I want to bring up two more things. The one thing that's like lost in all of this is the environmental message. It's an environmentalist film. You know, it's a tree-hugging film, so to speak. They make a couple jokes about that. But it's definitely environmentalist. You don't overuse the world. Don't overuse the resources of the world. That, to me, is the only thing in the film that feels organic, that feels natural. Because you have a lot of shots and scenes of just wildlife and nature and the characters immersing themselves in nature. And that rings true. But it, it's so incredibly cartoonish that it rings hollow in the end. Because the blue people are so good and the humans are so bad that there's no actual implication. It's a hollow implication. It's, we gotta love Mother Nature. And then everyone drives home from the theater in their Toyotas. And everyone still throws out their popcorn in the trash can. And everyone still uses all the chemicals that they use every single day in their house. And so the message rings hollow. There's no implication for the environment, environmentalist message. Everything rings hollow in this film. As one, I'm, I'm kind of giving sort of a direct point here because I want to spend some time on this on, the, on my big enchilada part. There was one genuinely great scene in this film. And it's the scene when the home tree is attacked. And there's this beautiful score. That's played. Phenomenal scene. Phenomenal scene. Forget everything else. Forget the rest of the film. You want to see one scene? Watch that scene. Great scene. Great scene. Just just the way you're supposed to engage an audience, punch them in the gut, show the cutting, the editing in that scene is also really good too. Scene's phenomenal. Scene is phenomenal. So my overall thoughts are like, the plot is stupid. Yeah, the CGI is great. The performances in this film actually aren't bad. We'll get to the film. We'll get to the ones in this in the new one. 
believe me when I tell you, ain't nobody safe. But the performances in this film aren't that bad. Sam Worthington's a waste, but Stephen Lang is actually okay, given he's basically giving nothing. Sigourney Weaver, of course, is good because that's who she is. But I got to say, Zoe Saldana, phenomenal. I think she's one of the bright spots in this entire, you want to call it trilogy, you want to call it five films, you want to call it whatever you want. The bright spot. She's allowed to act. She actually acts in this film. And so I got to give her props for that. She had a phenomenal performance in this film, in, this, in the first film. But now my joke, and this is brought to you by a really supportive friend of the show. He knows who he is. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to get canceled. But the name of this film, and potentially the name of this podcast, we'll find out. Birth of an Avatar. America's most racist franchise. This film is very racist. Very. Very. And you know me. People know me. I'm not some woke monster. I'm not some woke warrior. I'm not some NPC. I don't race bait. I don't call everything racist. Bro, this movie, if you don't think this movie's racist, time to look in the mirror. Movie is one of the most... Look, we talk about white saviors. We talk about cultural appropriation. Why are Navi people on Pandora doing... Why are you doing Indian chants? Why are you doing Native American chants? Why are they dressed up like Native Americans? Why are they wearing indigenous costumes? Why do they have weird accents? People, and I know the argument will be, well, that's the point of the story. It's cowboys versus Indians. It's supposed to be an allegory for us in the world. And I get that. But these people are not human beings. They're aliens. They live on a different planet. Why would they wear the same things as people? Why would they talk the same way as people? Why would they have the same culture as these indigenous populations? An argument one might have is, well, an indigenous population in New, in New York and an indigenous population in Florida and an indigenous population in Oklahoma, relatively speaking, have similar customs and similar ways of acting. Okay. Granted, that's an oversimplification, and I'm not saying people are saying that. But that is not necessarily a, an incorrect statement. To say that, right? That they're different. Seminoles and Cherokees are different. Navajo and Sioux are different. But relatively speaking, they're, they're relatively similar. The same way you'd say America and France are relatively similar. The same way you'd say Canada and Germany are relatively similar. But bro, they're aliens on another planet. They are not people on this planet, okay? They look like people, that they talk like people. I don't... Dude... Why do you have people going, what is that? That is not Navi. That is not the Navi language. That is not part of Pandora. It's racist, bro. 
It's straight up racist with a capital R. And then forget that. Talk about Sam Worthington. Talk about Jack Sully doing the reverse Michael Jackson. Dog, why do they need this? This head just pulled up. This head couldn't walk. Pulled up for Pandora. Hasn't read a manual on Pandora. Doesn't know about the language, about the culture. About the... He even admits, I know nothing. I read a manual. So he knows nothing. And he's more powerful than any other Navi person ever to live. The Navi people, they're these intelligent people. They're these warriors. But they need this white guy who, forget white, the guy doesn't know shit. He just showed up. This guy just showed up. How does he know more than everybody else in the entire village? He's a better warrior. He's a better leader. He's the only guy that can get this red, the red pterodactyl. And he somehow he pulls Pocahontas over here. He pulls the Pocahontas of the tribe because she's like the, she's the heir apparent. So she pulls the best girl to pull in the entire, like if you're talking, thinking from like an egotistical standpoint, he comes in and in three months is their best warrior, their best flyer, their best leader, their best war strategist, and pulls the best girl to pull in the entire tribe. And solely because of Sully, the Navi people survive. The Navi people are able to defeat the humans. If that ain't white savior, if that is not white savior, if that is not white savior, forget, forget that. Forget the cultural appropriation. You don't buy that argument. That's one thing. If you're telling me with a straight face, not in the year 2022, not in the year 2009, not in the year 1986, in the year 1961, bro, that ain't racist. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. And then this, the icing on this cake for me personally is the fact that only minority actors play the Navi people. If that ain't a Freudian slip, if that ain't a Freudian slip, Freud never slipped in his life. And one final thing I want to say, Jack Sully in this, Jake Sully in this film is a Gary Sue. And I remember getting a lot of flack from people, all these woke warriors who said, you can't call Ray a Mary Sue, that's racist. Because Ray just pulled up and knew everything about the Jedi Code with no training and was better than people with 30 years experience. This guy did the same thing. That's why we call him a Gary Sue instead of a Mary Sue. There's nothing to do with, has nothing to do with gender or sex. All right? If you're a written character with no flaws, we call you a Mary Sue. If you're a character with no flaws and you're a guy, we call you a Gary Sue. That's my final thought on Avatar, the original film. I'm giving it, I'm giving it three bow and arrows out of five, only because the story, though it's not very good, is still passable and engaging. And then obviously the effects are extraordinary. And you can't take that away from this film. No matter who you are, don't care who you are. Avatar, the way of the water. Everybody is back from what I just said. 
Only difference is, and I don't think this is a spoiler, Sigourney Weaver's back in a new role as Kiri, the daughter of Grace Augustine. Let's not talk about it. Stephen Lang is back. That's not a spoiler, though. Kate Winslet's in as Ronal. We'll get to that. Cliff Curtis is in as Tonawari. We'll get to that. Eddie Falco shows up for five. She got lost, bro. And according to Eddie Falco, she shot her scenes four years ago. She thought the movie already came out. There's some Australian guys I've never heard of. And then there's like seven kids. There's this kid named Netayam, a kid named Loak, a kid named Tekatiri, a kid named Spider, who's white, by the way. All these other people are blue. Tisraya is blue. And then there's some other heads. I don't know. It's Rockstow and Anog. All these random people I don't really care about. So it's got a 78% critics consensus. It's got a 94% audience score. Critics consensus reads narratively and may be fairly standard self, but visually speaking, Avatar The Way of Water is a stunningly immersive experience. This film is famous because it's the first ever film to shoot motion capture underwater. So that's why that's basically this film's gimmick. So I won't I don't want to be overly negative about this film. I wasn't going to be overly negative because I actually thought it was not terrible. But then I left the theater. I, I, I watched this movie about two, three hours ago. I left the theater. And the minute I, my friend I went to go see with left the car and I got home. And I started to eat dinner. Completely forgot about the It wasn't even like I saw it. It wasn't even like I saw the film. So I gave the first Avatar three stars. I'm giving this two and a half. And the only reason I'm giving it two and a half is because of the effects. This movie's three hours and 12 minutes. God only knows. To quote, to quote the Beach Boys, God only knows why. There is literally maybe, maybe an hour and a half of plot in this film. And they somehow make it three hours. I'm not going to get super spoily. All I'm going to say is... The villain sucks. All I'm going to say is, is Sigourney Weaver playing like a 17-year-old is one of the weirdest things. And that whole character's back- backstory makes is weird. She's also like in love with the white kid who's randomly part of the tribe. And also randomly someone's son. And the kid also has dreads, which is funny too. Speaking of cultural appropriation. And that's another thing. All these aliens have dreads. Why do they have dreads? Why do they have dreadlocks? Why do they have... Why do they have that? Why do they have dreadlocks? The fuck? They have blue. They live on another planet. Why do they have dreadlocks? Anyway. I'm not cutting the cursing out, by the way, guys. So, this white kid has dreadlocks. Okay? But anyway. So, she's... Sigourney Weaver, who's 75 years old, Her the character she plays... This is not a spoiler, really. Is in love with a 17-year-old white kid who's got dreads. This film, this film, this film. Hey, hey, James Cameron. Yo, baby. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) When I put it like that, when I put it like that, it hit me. I mean, I knew it was stupid, but when when I actually said it out loud, the idiocy of that comment. I'm thinking of so many jokes right now that I can't say. I can't say them because then I'll actually get canceled. So Kate Winslet's in this film. So I knew that going into the film, right? I knew Kate Winslet was in this movie. 
I watched the entire movie. I didn't know who she played. I still don't even know. I like watched the movie. I'm like, was that really Kate Winslet? Because either one of two things. She changed her voice for this film or the motion capture didn't work on her. Because she look her alien person looks nothing like her. The other, I could kind of see where you're coming from. Her could not, like, I'm looking at the character now, but that doesn't look like Kate Winslet. I'm like, what are you saying? So anyway, she's in the movie. I didn't know she was in the movie, which is not a good sign. And when I made all those jokes about there being, like, 17 different kids, yeah, I'm making that as humor. But I also mean it because I don't know who is who. You know what I mean? Like, if, like if you just said, like, if you were just like, who is Ronal? I would be like, bro, what? If you were like, who's Tonawari? Who's Turkatiri? Who's Netyama? Who's Loyak? Who's Annoying? Who's Tasira? Tisreya? Who's Loike? I don't know who's who's like because you know, there's two different tribes, right? They they go to the uh, I should have explained the plot too. As uh, anyway, I'll explain it in a minute. But there's two different blue people. There's like the blue people who are Samoan and the blue people who are you know supposed to be black. That's why I can describe it. Culture appropriation. I don't know if Turkatiri and the and Loak. I don't know who's who. So anyway. So the plot now, getting away from the characters, there's way too many characters. The plot is the fact that Jake Sully and his family still lives with the Navi people. They have to leave because they're being chased by humans. So they go to the Metikaina clan for safe haven. The, the movie's divided into three parts. And if you watch the trailer, you basically have seen the entire movie. Not because the trailer has all that much detail in it, but you've just legitimately, like, you know where the story's going to go. Inside 10 minutes, I was like, all right, okay, we know where the story's going to end. And then it just keeps going for three hours. And there's, like, 40 minutes. The amount of, the amount of scenes they could have cut out in this film is, like, actually, like, it hurts my brain to think about. Because I watched three hours of 15 minutes of film, and there's about... If I had to retrace the plot, I'd have to think very hard. Okay, they started there, then they moved. and Nothing. Just some of the dumbest subplots. Not even subplots. Just extended plot points. Like, something that should have took like 10 minutes, took 30. For no reason. And plot itself. So, the story itself. These are two different things. The story and the plot, right? The story is the general story. The plot is how you get there. The story is super simple. Not that complicated. Not a lot happens. The plot, character number one went to go see three so they could get two to come see one to ask five to see six so six could fight seven to kill nine to save eight. Why didn't one just co-kill eight? You know what I mean? Why, why do we have all this other stuff? And then the scope of the film. It's three hours and 15 minutes and the story is like the most bait... It's nothing, there's no grandiose stakes. It's not like the entire universe is at stake, which frankly, that's better sometimes. But this is a worldly conflict. Where are all these other heads at? Why is it like this, this movie that's not moving, that's not going anywhere? And I think part of that is because 
it's supposed to be five films instead of say three. If it was three films, this film's completely different, right? But it's five. Maybe they might. Maybe it would have been better served as a show. I don't know. It just it felt like a pacing was just for a three hour movie to have the pacing that this film did. Like to leave a film after three hours and be like every single character was underdeveloped. What's the message of this film? The message of this film is save the ocean, save a tree, save the bees, save a squirrel, save a snail. If you don't know George Collins' rant about environmentalism, go check it out. You're going to laugh out. It's better than anything I can ever do. It's George Collins and literally just something about George Collins. But you look at this film, and so the environmentalism is still there. But at the end of the day, what this film really is, it's a, it's a James Cameron vanity project. It is a James Cameron vanity project. It is a James Cameron. Let me prove to you how much technology I can shove into the film. So what? I respect the fact that they did the motion capture. I respect the fact that they did it underwater. I respect the CGI. I respect the craftsmanship. But can I get a good story? This is not what I want as an alternative to Marvel, as an alternative to DC, as an alternative to movies like Jurassic World. I want story. You know why Dune? You know why I'm excited to see Dune too? Because the CGI and the production value and all of that was phenomenal. But the story was also good. And we know it's going to get better. I'm excited to see Avatar 3 just because I'm like, I feel like I was shafted out of this one. I didn't even see a movie. I went to go see a nine-minute short film that was extended for three hours. You know, I waited 13, 13 years for this. It took me 13 years. People say, no, no. No, it did. Production started on these films in 2010. I don't think people really understand it. I know James Cameron left filmmaking for a bit to become an activist of sorts. So he really wasn't like 2010. But these films were greenlit in 2010. Filming started in 2017. The only reason it started so late was because the motion capture technology that he wanted to use underwater wasn't there yet. But you still had seven years to write a script for two movies. You couldn't write, or even three. I don't give it how many movies. You couldn't write a better script than this? This is the best that you have? It's the best that you got? Oh, it looks cool. Yeah, you know what else looks cool? Michael Bay movies look cool. Michael Bay movies look dope too. I love my hey Michael Bay explosion, but I want story. I want substance, and it's always about well, what's more important, substance or style? Style or substance? Doesn't matter what is more important. What's less important? Stop being cheap. Stop being stupid. Give me good substance and good style, or just make a movie that doesn't demand three hundred million dollars to be good. But that's what, the, that's what the industry's relying on. The industry's relying on these $350 million budgeted films because nobody wants to go see any... No one cares about movies anymore. <clears throat> People would rather watch Loving Blind or whatever. Love is, love, is, love, is, love is Premarital. I don't even know what the name of these shows are, okay? Love is Premarital. That's definitely not a show. Hey, when Netflix makes a show called Love is Premarital, call me up. I want my, I want my, I want my fate. But in all seriousness, cinema, I don't think the art of cinema is not dying. But something's wrong here. That this we gotta rely on films like this in order to carry film, carry box office, carry and I'm and part of the problem is May. But you know who's the real problem? It's entertainment companies. It's not even I don't even blame 
AMC, Regal. I don't blame those companies. I blame Disney, Warner Brothers, Universal, Paramount, Sony. They're the big five. They control the entire market. They, If they really wanted to, they could go in and lower the prices. If they really wanted to, they could invest in the theatrical movie-going experience for AMC and for Regal. They don't have the money. AMC and Regal don't have... Their balance sheets are fucked. Okay? They can't... And they don't have enough money to invest properly. That's what should be on Disney and Universal and Warner Brothers and Sony and Paramount to build these things up. Also, blame streaming. Not because streaming's the end-all be-all, but it ruined the price point. Because now, instead of going to see one movie for $12, I can watch whatever I want on a streaming service for 12 And I know some people use random bootleg pirate sites, and I do as well occasionally, from time to time, maybe. I probably don't wink-wink. I'm not trying to get arrested for piracy. But people use those sites. They're not good quality, a lot of them. A lot of them are poor quality. They're annoying. You're seeing random ads. It's kind of bootleg. You really want to do it. But even with those sites, you can't pirate new films. It's like incredible. You can't, you, you, like getting an Avatar Way of the Water pirate. I don't even know how you go about doing that. I don't know how you go about doing that. Especially now with DVD. With DVD, it was easier. With no DVD now, it's almost impossible. But with streaming, it's easy to bootleg on streaming. It's easy to whatever on streaming. We gotta get you gotta you gotta either raise the price of streaming, get less of streaming, or invest in the theatrical movie going experience. Whether that's with additional accommodations in a movie theater, whether that's with more immersive experiences. Again, I don't see a reason why movie going can't be similar to sporting events. Okay, I mean, I have a lot of ideas about this. I don't want to get into them too much. Maybe that's for another episode. But there's a you should want to go see a movie in a movie theater. And like, this is a film I would still say like you should see this in a movie theater. It's the holidays. Go on, you know, the twenty seventh when you have off. Go see your friend, whatever. Right. I would still suggest you go see this movie because it is a marvel to look at and it's and it's a beautiful film to watch. But from a storytelling perspective, you expect more. Especially when you tell me, maybe five movies and it's this whole new universe. Like, dog, we should expect a little bit more. Especially if you're pushing this as a five-movie franchise. And we waited 13 years to get here. So, production's great. CGI is great. Motion capture is great. The lighting is actually really good. The performances are forgettable other than Zoe Zalanda. Again, I mean, Natsuri is the best character in this franchise by far. She actually emotes and has emotion and acts in the film. She's the only character that acts. Well, Jake Sully does nothing. He doesn't act. Sam Worthington does not act. The bro, I've never seen the guy act. Can we cry? Can we smile? Can we, can we do something? Blank face. Every single scene is the same scene. And I didn't know I didn't get a lot into the different plot. It doesn't matter. It's stupid. There's just too many characters, predictable plot, bad villain, overlong story, med- mediocre performances other than the Natiri. Just overall, a very disappointing. You know, again, I wasn't super excited for this film, so to speak. So, like, I'm not super disappointed, but still a disappointment. And box office cinema is not going to give you what you want. If you're looking for real cinema and real, you got to go out and find it. This is not, this is not cinema. This is film. It's a movie, actually. Let me put it. It's a movie. It's not, it's not a picture. It's not cinema. And I know people say that's a joke, but it's true too. Oh, 
It's going to get nominated. It already got nominated for Golden Globes. It's going to get nominated for best. I guarantee you. This is going to get nominated for Best Picture along with Top Gun Maverick for sure. Those two films definitely are going to get nominated for Best Picture. And the Oscars are going to hope that for some reason people tune in because Avatar and Top Gun Maverick got nominated. I doubt it, but we'll see. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Again, you can always follow us on Twitter at arm underscore 901. You can follow us at Letterboxd, J-A-B-N-Y-R-I-C. The Golden Globes podcast coming out next month, a 23rd anniversary show coming out around January 20th, and then some interviews coming out. I might squeak in another podcast, honestly, maybe about what film cinemas can do. We'll figure it out. I'm, I also got to interview Bruce Nash. There's a bunch of different things we got to do, so we got the setup for going forward, but Thanks for listening to this Avatar episode. I hope it was funny. I hope it entertains you guys. I know it did for me, certainly. And just thanks for supporting the podcast. And have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and a Happy Hanukkah for those who celebrate. And if you want any suggestions for what movies to be watching over Christmas at my lineup. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to Rumors Money Movies. I'm your host, James Bastone. Until next time.